0: Hey there, my name is Dan.
1: My name is Joshua, and And we we are are the the Unauthorized Unauthorized Critics Critics Circle. Circle.
0: Now, Joshua, tell the listener what we do here at the UCC.
1: With pleasure. Here at the UCC, we review theater... With the normal
0: bitcheries and
1: qualms... By watching the video recordings... From questionable origins... Of various productions... This week, we are talking about the Broadway production of Something Rotten, specifically the performance from June 20th, 2016. Uh, you shouldn't have too much trouble checking this one out, though, see if you have Rob McClure and Christian Borle together to make sure you've got the right one. Uh, we mention this because while we review the show itself, we also share thoughts about the specific performance we've seen. The internet
0: is thine friend, darling. So, without further ado, the curtain is now rising. I hear it's a period piece. I just love Shakespeare. I hope Judy Dench is in this.
1: Please enjoy our discussion of the June 20th, 2016 performance of Something
0: Rotten. Something Rotten? I don't remember that from Judy Dench's IMDB. What are we watching? Hello,
1: everyone. <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast uh, today. We are talking about uh the original Broadway production of Something Rotten. Uh specifically uh the performance from June twentieth, twenty
0: sixteen. Something Rotten. Aptly titled. Hmm. I wonder uh I wonder if any of our uh keen
1: viewers have been able to uh get a hint of what our host Dan thinks about this show.
0: Um uh... Look, the first phrase that comes to mind after seeing this show is, If Cole Porter could have foreseen that this was the future of musical theater, he would have let the horse that trampled his legs finish the job.
1: Goodness gracious. Loaded statement.
0: Uh, you know, I'm sorry if you love this show. I'm sure you're saying that I'm being a penis. The show is genius, <laughs> which isn't a rhyme and doesn't make sense because it presumes that you hate penises, which is not true for everybody.
1: I, I wouldn't go as far as saying that. I think it's just a, a closer to rhymey way of saying don't be a dick. Okay, I think you, dick can, you can call also... someone a dick even
0: if they like penis. He- <laughs> Dick is an easier word to rhyme. They came up with a slant rhyme, which is unacceptable in and of itself. And then they came up with a slant rhyme that doesn't even make sense. So you're really focused on the on the on the form with this one, huh? Uh, without form there is chaos. Mm. I agree. Which is why I liked the show. Oh, oh, oh. We are going to vehemently disagree this entire time. And thank God
1: for it. Okay, so let's jump right into it. What did you know about Something
0: Rotten before today? I saw it on tour as part of a subscription package, so I had seen the entire show and knew how much I hated it when you picked this. <laughs> thank you for uh, really wallowing
1: in the you picked this of that of that statement
0: i would not have picked
1: this mm, good to know um what did i know thank you for asking um yes yes I... yes yes
0: yes what did you know
1: <laughs> uh i knew some of the songs uh the one song that i actually was a ac- really like really acquainted with from the show was uh it's hard to be the bard the act two opener uh i watched the performance of it on youtube i thought it was kind of funny i added it to my spotify it comes on every once in a while. Uh, other than that, I've seen, like, a couple 60-second clips of It's a Musical and God, I Hate Shakespeare. Otherwise, I, uh, didn't know too much
0: about it. Cool. So? You knew I hated it when you picked it.
1: Thank you for answering my question. What did you think?
0: (laughs) Oh, what did I think? Um... Mm, mm Get it, get it, state, state it plainly. Soul-crushing.
1: Soul-crushing,
0: wow. Absolutely soul-crushing.
1: What did you I'm think? I'm sure that was uh, the most fun I've had
0: watching a bootleg in some time. You're clearly not watching many bootlegs.
1: I'm pretty much just watching the stuff for this a podcast. Like to t- to tell you the truth, um, I was thinking of mentioning it earlier. I can't. Remember. I'm not sure if I've ever actually said it for the podcast, but I figure I might as well. Um, generally, when it does come to musicals or plays or just theater in general, I I have this rule for myself that I've kept in which I normally, outside of these specific pandemic quarantine and now podcast circumstances, in which I will avoid anything from a show. I will not learn so much as a song or a plot line or a line or like you know I will, I will stay away from any material involving a show until I'm either able to watch it live or perform in it. Mostly cuz I really adore the experience of watching a piece of new theater in person for the first time and being struck blown blown away by that. I had that experience watching a cabaret for the first time in April 2019. Um, and it was one of the most devastating theatrical experiences I've ever had in my life, and I've like wanted to retain that forever. Um, so no, I don't watch too many bootlegs. But since we've sort of started um, this journey that we've been on, uh, and I've been watching more and more and more, this is the first one that uh, this is the first one that we've watched that has made me actually laugh out loud and uh, more times than I'd be able to count on one hand.
0: That's because we've been watching nothing but comedies like fun home (laughs)
1: yeah yeah the laugh riot fun
0: home Uh, when when the mother turned to the daughter and said don't waste your days like i have in my life my life is a piece of shit god did the audience just roar up riotously
1: rolling in the aisles rolling in the aisles mel brooks wishes he could have but yeah no uh I had a gosh darn hoot of a time watching this. I thought this was just a whole lot of fun. This felt like, uh. Oh god, I'm going to make an analogy that is very dense and theater majory, and also I don't know how to explain it to a non theater major, but I'll go for it anyway and see if you can help me out. This musical just felt like a modern day satyr play. Uh, okay, like like a satyr play where uh, these kinds of plays in ancient Greek theater. That would always be performed alongside like uh, dramas and tragedies, and would always have this like really whimsical, comedic, and satiric tone. And they and a lot of their purpose would be to like send up uh, other pieces of material at the time. They would probably they would sometimes mock the shows that were uh, directly before them. Uh, And yeah, this just felt like something that was just just. Now, I wouldn't call it something rotten as satire by any stretch of the word, but it just felt like this sort of like uh, like uh, it it played a lot with contemporary material, it like takes this uh, it takes really specific historical time periods and just sort of sends them up with contemporary references that uh, like uh, make sense to us but not the characters. Uh, or uh, Maybe it's a little bit pantomime Anachronistic. Very well said. Uh, they're typically pretty crude uh they're you know they're they're fun loving they're you know sort of boisterous they're loud uh that's how i felt about this show i, I read a review uh just recently i read a little bit of a, a review that sort of put um put it as like described the show as like sophomoric uh while saying that uh they think that's exactly what the show was meant to be
0: you're talking about the Ben Brantley review, and yes, that review is accurate, and yes, that is what they were going for, and yes, much like Ben Brantley, I hated this. I hated this. Did he hate it? Um, <laughs> he didn't love it.
1: <laughs> he seems to understand, like, uh, what it was going for. I think that's you know, you can you can. Not vibe with that at all. That can be totally against your taste, but at least if you understand what it's going for and you think it hits that mark that it was trying to achieve.
0: But wasn't the last line of that review? Um, let me pull it up. Oh,
1: I I don't I don't pay for the times. I don't. Uh, I didn't get as far as the last line. I wasn't able to yet.
0: If the last paragraph is about Christian, <laughs> and um. He says Mr Brr is a master of carefully stylized excess. In something rotten though, he has nothing else to fall back on. Like the show itself, it's both too much and not enough.
1: Hmm.
0: That isn't a good review for a show.
1: <laughs> yeah, if I had read that that makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah, he
0: trashes the show. And I rightfully so. I, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's get into the I show did not itself. Have a bad
1: time watching this. Go ahead, let's go. Um, first of all, what do you think the point of something rotten was?
0: That's my question to you. I don't know. I don't think there was one because I think it's a defective piece of writing. What do you think the point was? You
1: don't. You don't think there was a moral to the show at all?
0: Mm, not really. Uh, To thine own self be true, but I mean, if that was in there, it was certainly clouded with a million other things. And sorry, there's better ways of communicating that message than this show. I
1: I think the moral of the story, or I guess the moral of the central conflict between the main characters in the story, is that art that comes from a pure need to share an emotion or tell a story will triumph over art that is created for want of success. And that uh, you should be true with your art instead of uh, trying to go for something that will bring you prestige.
0: So let's follow that. Uh, where does the show support that statement?
1: Um, I would say through the blatant sort of selfishness and outright sort of greediness of the main character nick bottom juxtaposed with the more meekness of his brother nigel who has this true gift and talent but like uh, i get isn't that really that's what you're
0: supposed to walk away with but i don't think the writing actually supports that because when we see the final show and they have quote unquote compromised isn't that it Isn't the final show the compromise between them or do they not compromise until the very end at the the courthouse?
1: Oh, oh wait, when you say final show, do you mean like the, like omelet, the thing or like the, like the last number? No, I don't think that's a compromise. I don't, it was, was Nigel involved in that at all?
0: I don't know. I, I don't really remember. Um, I mean, I guess the Nick Bottoms has an epiphany at the courthouse or a moment of realization at the courthouse. Um, but then, Ooh. at the very end, the the last number, if that last number is supposed to be a show, mm. it yeah, doesn't seem it doesn't seem any different from any of the numbers we've had before. So, have we actually learned anything?
1: That one, I think, I I didn't take that as like a actually detached, like, a, I, I, I don't know. I didn't think that was actually really like, um oh, look, they made this show because clearly that sort of then turns into suspension of the fourth wall. They call back to this earlier number in the show, like this whole chorus line. I don't know. Maybe that was the intention. Maybe I, 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 I didn't perceive that right, but I didn't register that to be like, oh, wow, look at this magnificent work of art they made.
0: Well but you're saying if what we're supposed to walk away with is some statement about art itself if the show doesn't actually seem to sufficiently support that
1: based on the based on that final number and sort of how it how you think it goes based against
0: Based on the final number and based on here's the thing does the show like musicals or does the show hate musicals that is the first question we should throw out there. And hate is not the right word. I guess what I'm trying to say is, does the show actually enjoy musicals or does the show recognize forms in musicals that can be used to manipulate an audience?
1: Um I think it recognizes forms. I think that's And
0: true. it manipulates the audience. That is why I hate this show so much. It manipulates, and it has no opinions of its own.
1: Give me an example.
0: Let's go straight to a musical number. Or the number, a musical.
1: uh, It's a musical, yeah.
0: It's a musical, musical, whatever the number was called. Uh, It uses all of these different references... From other shows. Even mm-hmm. all of the musical numbers that you see that are the quote unquote musicals make all of these references to shows. Now, there are no punchlines. The punchline is hey, you recognized this reference we just made. Pat yourself on the back. Feel good about yourself. There's no actual comment on the material itself there's no actual punchline there's just a bunch of audience self-congratulation so that's the first thing then you go to the, the whole lame is the reference based humor yeah and then you go to the whole lame is thing sometimes uh sometimes they sing the entire show and they stay on no- on one note and then they move notes and you notice or whatever that line was yeah yes good that happens in musicals How does that make you feel? What's the point there? It never gets there. It never gets to why you feel that way. It never gets to what the point is. They even say, you know, sometimes they have a whole chorus line and the audience starts clapping. Sure enough, they start a chorus line, the audience starts clapping. Okay, great. You told me how you're going to manipulate me and then you manipulate me on stage. What's your opinion of when musicals do that? This show is completely opinionless. This show has no point of view whatsoever, and that is why I hate it.
1: Yeah, no, fair enough. I, I think that's I think that's a substan that's a fairly substantial reason for you to dislike the material.
0: It is a comedy without punchlines. There are no punchlines. There are references that you are supposed to notice and laugh at. That is not a punchline. That is a reference. So if this is a comedy, where are the jokes?
1: I would say, the sh- I, I don't know if I'd go as far to say as the show is 100% reference humor. I think there are, like, I think I'd say about three scenes that are really grounded in that. The first one being the, it's a musical number. The second being when Nostradamus is, helping write the play and is making references and all that and then the third in the actual performance of the play itself I would say those are the only times that that kind of humor really
0: reared its head I don't think the entire show has its foundation in that but it's a decent portion of the show it's a large enough portion of the show that I absolutely hated that made me not want to like any of the other parts of the show and for the other parts of the show again Were there really punchlines or, okay, the Jew is named Shylock. Ha ha. They make both references to musicals that you are supposed to laugh at and references to Shakespeare that we are then supposed to find funny. You remove all of that. Are there jokes? There are a couple. Are they well-written jokes? Absolutely not. And this is a... It's trying to be a musical comedy. There is no deep emotional truth here. Not any deep emotional truth that I found.
1: I didn't really find
0: any... I I don't think I found any... It's aiming to be a comedy, which is fine. But be funny.
1: I'm, I'm looking through the libretto again trying to see if I can remember one of the specific lines that that made me really laugh
0: so I can point it out um I there were a couple times when I laughed out loud but there were moment there were enough moments that I hated that I wanted to mentally disengage with this show there are um (laughs) uh, you know for a two-hour show me laughing out loud two times isn't going to cut it, especially when there is no emotional edge to hang on to here.
1: I sort of accepted it more as, I guess, just a uh, a farce. I, I I think there's something that I've... I think maybe I've just inherently grown this, like, acceptance with uh, in something like the age of all those Judd Apatow American comedy films. You know, where... You recognize you're sitting down and you're just watching a you coll- You're you're watching a collection of moments that are humorous and there's a plot line attaching them. And the real fun of the thing is, oh my gosh, look how much fun these actors are having making stuff up on set. Uh, side note, I tried watching a uh, what was it, Holmes and Watson? That new Will- oh that movie, got terrible I- reviews. <laughs> Uh, I see why it's ever, it's, y- you've seen a Will Ferrell, John C. Reilly movie. You've seen Holmes and Watson. uh They just do it British anyway. um, And like, and like, it, it, it made me think like, it's the most like, it's, it's a, it's a movie in which you just don't care about the plot and in which similarly there are no punchlines. There are no punchlines in that. It's just a whole bunch of funny things. Sometimes they'll deliberate on a point and they'll say, repeat it over and over again, but in, like, different ways and just doing the, um, what, what was it? There's that, the 40-year-old virgin where it's, like, Seth Rogen and, uh, Paul Rudd and they're going, like, you know how I know you're gay? Like, like, like that kind of thing where it's just the same joke over and over and over again, but, like, variations, you just sort of get accepted with that brand of humor, and... but
0: but you mentioned a large part of that is that it's improvised. Nothing here is improvised, so you aren't discovering it along with the actors.
1: But but to that same point, this doesn't have the, what I, I wasn't trying to say that this has that specific brand of humor like they don't do the thing where it's like they have one joke and they just deliberate upon it again and again and again and they just reword it insist upon itself like till the cows come home uh i was more so trying to point that uh, we're more used to the form of just having a like generally funny humorous thing be said and have that be joke and punchline in and of itself and i think that that's something that like i maybe that's why i'm more desensitized to it and it doesn't uh necessarily bother or uh offend me or a, a, anything of that nature i i sort of more have become familiar and all right with that concept and so therefore uh, and i just think find it easy to sit back of, and laugh uh,
0: part of the reason why i'm why i do react so violently to this show the whole a musical number what it's describing are economic trends i don't like economic trends in musical theater. I don't like the corporatization of musical theater. This show is seeing the corporatization, taking the parts that they, that corporatization of musical theater has told them work. They just smash it into one show and you have a corporate product ready for the audience. Nothing feels fresh. Nothing feels organic.
1: Mm. Yeah. Do you think it pays, like,
0: do you think it has reverence? for that corporation? um <laughs> again with the show having no opinions the show having no point of view i don't think they know either way they have just recognized this is what works let's put that in a show it'll probably be successful and they isn't don't that, stop to isn't think the number sort of
1: hmm? isn't the number saying that too Put these in your show and you'll be successful?
0: Fine, but where's the next point? Where is the next point? Where is point B? They point out you can do this. They do it themselves. And what? And they made money. Congratulations. Um. Again, it doesn't get at why this is successful in musical theater, why this is successful um, if they're they kind of get that they hate the whole lame is, let's sing one note for several bars thing, but it sells out ultimately. It doesn't offend anyone and it doesn't particularly seem to like anything.
1: So what you're saying is uh, you think in order for it to be successful in your eyes, that it needed to have opinions, you know, have opinions, yeah, to, have a point of view. So, so pretty much to highlight like other, um, Oh, what am I trying to say to, to like, not just highlight the aspects themselves, but also really specifically, uh, have a greater point with what they're trying to say with it
0: when they when they highlight those points comment on them properly utilize them say this might not work but it happens a lot it doesn't ever do that so to so to act as
1: a critique basically
0: yes because yes there is an air of satire about this but again with no opinion where is the satire can you have satire without point of view? Hmm. It's a big statement. And, I mean, to move on from that, it's just deficient at actually writing a musical. You have your traditional I Want song, God, I Hate Shakespeare. Um, they state that the song doesn't really develop. And then... 15 minutes later, they have the I hate Shakespeare reprise where he said, well, you know, really, I don't hate him. Really, I want to be him. You don't get why that's wrong. It's possible that what the character puts in their I want song is not what they actually want. But that is an entire journey we go through for the entire show. You let us discover that as the character is discovering that. You don't have the character come out and say, Well, I sang this I Want song, but that's really not what I want. I want this. It's just... They're slapping you in the face with the fucking point. And then, with that reprise, they told on themselves, They wrote a wrong song. It's the wrong song.
1: The, the way I so the way I saw it, God, I hate Shakespeare. Like, even if you, even if you're not taking, like, even if you are trying to take it like as at point blank face value, as uh, oh, the, they're sort of going to talk about how some of these things about Shakespeare kind of suck. The show's trying to say that maybe Shakespeare wasn't all he cracked up to be. I didn't leave that song uh, like, like like I I mean I I left that song thinking, okay. A real defensive this guy is all of a sudden. There there's something going on there. He like he has this insane, extreme contempt for every aspect of this man. You you wonder, where is it rooted from? And then he immediately follows it up with God I wish I were him and it all makes sense. You go, Oh, <laughs> that's why he's so bitter. That's why he's coming up with excuses. But
0: he But did they let you discover that or did they tell you that's what's happening?
1: I wonder if that comes through more in the performance or anything. I wonder if that has more to do with that.
0: Well, no, because it's just so blatantly stated. I really want to be Shakespeare. Isn't that... I don't know the actual line. You have the libretto in front of you. Um, that reprise, just the lyrics that are there just state it plainly. I wish I were Shakespeare. I'm jealous of him. There's nothing nuanced. There's nothing for the audience to find out. That is throughout the entire show. The audience does not get to discover. I have another note about that. Let me find it. Mm. Nuanced Um,
1: definitely is not the word I would give to the show.
0: Oh, so Shakespeare, he's making all of these puns and he comments on each and every one of them. You don't trust that the audience is going to laugh at those puns themselves. Do we really need the comment with each and every pun he makes? You're just killing it. That might have been witty. That might have passed as something comedic. But if you're commenting on every fucking thing to make sure the audience understood, oh, that's a pun. No, it's not funny. You killed it. In what number is it again? It, it, it's the scene where um, the brother, Nigel, right? Nigel yeah. meets Shakespeare at the...
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. They have drinks. It's in the dialogue. And he makes a yeah. uh, series of puns. And he comments with every single pun. Just let the pun sit there and let the audience get the joke. They don't trust that the audience is going to get the joke. They don't trust the audience. Flat out. Do you think that's what it is? Full stop. What else could it be?
1: The incredible pig-headed overindulgence of Shakespeare. This this rock star of a character that they've painted out, gleefully drinking in every single bit of attention he can, making the audience know, not the audience, making his audience, the, the characters around him, know he's the smartest and wittiest and most cleverest man in the room.
0: But with every line, it's so overdone at that point that it's just not funny, and it's tiring. This show tired me. I shouldn't it walk has... out of this show tired.
1: Have you ever because watched... it's um... so
0: overdone. Everything is so overdone. And honestly, was there a single second of that show that you thought you were able to discover along the time with the characters, or were they telegraphing to you this is what you should be experiencing this is what you should feel
1: i didn't i didn't mind that i didn't mind that i think there are fantastic shows in which you feel this sense of satisfaction in discovering something with the characters and then i think there are shows like something rotten which are maybe more of a theme park of a of a show in which they're taking you along this ride they have a series of setups and bit and Things that they want to present to the audience. And the execution of those bits, at least on surface level, are good and humorous and are cohesive and can derive joy and pleasure and laughter and happiness. That's sort of what I more took away from it. I didn't find any very, I didn't leave it with any new understanding of the material that they were sending up, I didn't come away with a whole new life lesson taken away. I don't think they were trying very hard to pass one over. Maybe it's a very, very frivolous comedy, of a very, very loose piece of theater, but it was one that I thought was very enjoyable.
0: It's frivolous and I didn't laugh. It's frivolous and I did. Well, I'm glad for you. I'm glad you liked this show. I only laughed a couple times, and the show went on an awfully long time to not laugh. I'm sorry you didn't have a better
1: time with it. Do you want to carry on to talking about the production itself?
0: Let me look over my notes. Sure. Sure.
1: Oh, wow, a whole page.
0: Oh, yeah. I took a lot. (laughs) Um, Who are we supposed to care for here?
1: Are we supposed to care for?
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, I think the Bottom Brothers. Really? I think so. Uh, Definitely Nigel. I think he's a very sympathetic character.
0: I will give you that we probably should have cared for Nigel. Um, Nick has no artistic principles. A lot of the characters in the show have no artistic principles. He went to a soothsayer, and the soothsayer predicted economic trends, and he wants to have a hit show, he'll have it at any cost, so he will go with those economic trends, much like the creators of the show itself. You have Nigel, who, yes, arguably has an emotional journey, but when the entire first hour of the performance is like this, I can't really understand what you're saying. I don't know. That's a, how I'm that's a to keep for the problem here. I had. That's a problem I had. Uh, the entire first hour, I couldn't understand a fucking thing he said. So, how am I supposed to care for this guy when he finally starts speaking in Act Two properly? And that is, <laughs> this is that is a director approving an actor's choice and encouraging that. So that isn't That's... just we'll talk about the performance later, but that yeah. is a director saying this is what we want. He is the original guy from the original production. This is what they were going for.
1: Whether is, you like it or uh, not,
0: this was what was intended. So how is am I supposed months... to care for him? This is
1: 15 months into the run. Uh, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I always worry that, like, uh, when shows go on for that long with those same actors, when the actors have been up in a in a show for more than a year, those original performances get, like, warped and bent out of shape to the point where they become, like, almost like Flanderizations. Uh, flanderizations, uh, for those who don't know, it's sort of the concept of uh, having a character like Flanders from The Simpsons, who's sort of a meek um kind church going guy in the early episodes of the Simpsons later on becoming this like huge, like Bible thumping, like, uh, you know, super extreme, like Mr. Rogers kind of guy where you're just like exploding the original intentions of the character and just completely driving specific points in home, removing them of like a lot of nuance. I always worry about that happening shows and stuff i fee i and i'm fee i fear that that's pretty much what happened to john carriani in this show i would have really liked to see uh maybe some of his scenes done in like the first couple months of the show
0: the director is supposed to come back and give notes if that wasn't addressed i don't know what to tell you someone spent 150 bucks for a ticket for that performance and we watched a specific performance. Who was I supposed to care about at that performance?
1: Well, I I, I think it'd be safe to say that there wasn't anyone you walked away with, I guess, feeling that for. Uh,
0: I, I could have potentially cared for the wife, but when she has the moment of emotional realization or moving on, What does she do? She sings a reprise of the first song. She got one song. She has nothing else to say. Musically. So how am I supposed to sympathize? There's nothing emotionally there in the score for me to grab onto that character with, and if that is the character I'm supposed to sympathize with, there better be something emotional in the score for me to grab onto.
1: Fair. Anything else that uh, is on your mind?
0: Yeah, They spent a very long time in fantasy sequences, rather than talking about what the characters were actually experiencing in the show. Now I will give you in musical theater, you can have one dream ballet, which changes the entire course of the show. In this, Act 1 ended with a fantasy sequence, Bottom's gonna be a top, ha ha ha, so funny, such a witty sex pun. And then in the second act, the other brother and the girl have a whole fantasy sequence. And these fantasy sequences aren't short numbers. They each went on for about five or six minutes. And in a two-hour show, when you're spending, what, six and six is 12? We'll call it 15 minutes. When you're spending 15 minutes of a show in a fantasy sequence, if it isn't changing the entire nature by which you are telling that plot... What are we doing here? We are just distracting from the fact that we don't have much to say about the plot that's actually happening in real time.
1: I'll get, I'll concede that I didn't uh, I didn't have too much uh, like I didn't uh, I didn't find the second one very memorable, and I can see what you mean about like that fantasy sequence needing to really stir something in the character. Uh, have you seen Crazy for
0: You? Yes, years um, ago.
1: I. It sort of reminds me of that one number can't be bothered now. It's like the second number in the show, um, where you have the main character Bobby, just like uh, all of a sudden having this sort of like, not dream sequence, but this just sort of th- this fantasy of him just like being out in the street and performing this whole number, and a bunch of chorus girls come out of his car, and like all this stuff, and it's and it's just him in this fantasia of like, oh, this is where I'll be uh
0: but that is establishing the character that is letting you know exactly what the character wants so you get to see what that character wants through the fantasy you can argue that bottom's going to be on top is that moment but it comes at the end of act one and do we care by that point or has a lot of the plot progressed and we should be beyond introduction by the end of act one we should be beyond introduction with the characters true and then there's just a couple moments of particular sloppiness that i didn't i have to point out um they call it omelette the musical and it sells out people are buying tickets for omelette the musical the word musical means nothing in this society was it called black crook the musical the black crook was the first Modern musical in real time back in the 1800s. It was just called The Black Crook. It wasn't called Bla- The Black Crook, The Musical. Musical is a descriptor of something that already happened. And at this time, musicals hadn't already happened. So why would you call it a musical?
1: For because that society
0: the... and advertise for that.
1: Because they're creating a musical based on a parroting of uh, what a musical is foreseen to be. They go, oh, musicals uh, have this element in them. Oh, and also uh, they have this element in them. Oh, and they're also this element. But it's also.
0: There's also a plot point about the fact that they're sold out. Why would they be sold out?
1: Do the do the Bottom Brothers have a reputation by this point?
0: Yeah, it seems like a bad one because the entire point of the show is they're coming off of a string of flops.
1: I almost wonder if. No, I was gonna come up with an excuse, but then I realized I would literally. I'm. I'm like. I, I'm actually coming up with like a, like. I. I. A, a, a head that's just. Oh, maybe this could have happened without actually having any grounding in Fan the show. Fan fiction. So I'll save it. Yeah, I guess. Not and then yeah, just I guess.
0: the last note I have about writing, um, the wife is there. She's playing the lawyer at the end, and Nick has his "To Thine Own Self Be True" reprise. And he's referring to both the brother and the wife. The wife doesn't know this song. This is in no way connected to the wife character. This is only connected to the brother, which gets back at the fact that the wife never had a second song. If she had a second song that they sang together, he could then use that moment and reprise that to the wife and reprise to thine own self be true to the brother. You could intermix both, but just having the one reprise for both of the characters is lazy writing because it is in no way connected to the wife
1: mm-hmm i like i i i'll agree with you there that was a uh that was something in in the material that
0: was pretty that that was pretty weak structurally and again if you are going to be just frivolous entertainment you need exquisite structure This didn't have it. If you're going to be frivolous entertainment, you need constant punchlines. This didn't have it. It's just a very defective piece. Hmm. All right. Isn't this lovely? Everyone's having such a good time right now. (laughs) Like, the listeners yeah. are just loving this. They are eating this up. They think, "Oh, he's so nice telling them where they went wrong."
1: <laughs> and uh, like, you know, I, I'm, uh, I'm sort of sitting here. I'm, I'm, I'm picturing it as like a, you just like, on a couch, just like venting all this stuff, like therapy style. And I'm just like giving you like a pat on the shoulder, going like, "Yeah, I'm. Li- I hear you. I hear you. It'll all be all right." And then. Me just in my mind thinking about how much I'm looking forward to going back and listen to the music myself afterward.
0: Uh, Do you agree with any of it?
1: I can understand a lot of where you're coming from and I can understand as well why it would make you as upset as it does. Uh, I don't think anything you've said is like outright incorrect or invalid unless I've, I guess, shared my alternate opinion on it. Um... But nothing I don't think anything you've said has really taken away from my enjoyment of the of the thing. I don't think it makes me think of it as any less funny or any less um, like any less valuable of
0: an experience uh, watching it. Uh, I'm and not, good I, for I'm you. Not... it was it was aiming to entertain if, if it entertained you, <laughs> they did their job. For me, it's completely deficient. I also want to point out you referred to the show as the theme park.
1: Yeah. Like, um, uh, is that the right word? It's like, 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 like a ride. It's like a ride of a show. It sort of like carries you around. Like it carries you through the story. It sort of like takes yeah. you by the hand and gives give you this that. thing. I will agree with that. It you this takes thing.
0: you through and it does not let you discover.
1: Yeah. And I didn't. Uh, I didn't. I didn't have a very big problem with it.
0: And again, if I'm not discovering, why am I sitting there as an audience member? If the show is going to go the way the show goes, regardless of audience response, because that is how you calculated and manipulated that show, I don't need to be sitting there as an audience. I am superfluous.
1: I took it as, I was being told a story and shown some jokes and some songs and some numbers. And I enjoyed that. And I I enjoyed it for that.
0: Okay. Well, (laughs) let's move on. Sure.
1: Um, I think we've talked enough about the material this point, uh, production, production. That's next. The production itself, the, uh, staging Mm
0: -hmm. and what did you make of the staging
1: I didn't think there was anything of specific like uh, intense note I think it was uh, presented exactly the way it tried to carry itself Uh, aesthetically completely set in, um, in this specific time period of the 1590s while all of their actions are in direct juxtaposition of that, and all their actions are incredibly contemporary and modern, it makes for an interesting thing to see it's like a that disconnect is something that uh I think is just inherently like you you go huh, that's playful that's uh that's aside the normal oh, wow, look at this it's uh God, now you got me thinking about Holmes and Watson again uh
0: the that's... anachronisms.
1: Yeah, but that's something where it,
0: uh... It's intentionally anachronistic.
1: But... But in the movie... But in that movie, there's, like, uh... All of them are acting as though they are still in this time period of, uh... It's still trying very much to carry itself off as if all the characters are, like, 1800s people. But they're... Their words are the only parts about them that are like that. That seem to contradict that. Whereas with this show, they're not uh, necessarily speaking in uh, very Elizabethan English. You know, they're all. It's like uh, the only part of the show that's really rooted in that historicalness is is aesthetically.
0: That's one of the jokes. um... You know, Shakespeare. They quote a couple lines of Shakespeare, and someone says, "We don't even talk like, can't we like just talk that." Like our... Yeah,
1: yeah. It's like, can't we just talk like ourselves? Yeah, that's pretty much th- that's the that's the first uh, non-sung joke in the show. I think actually, that's like the first line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, and I think the entire uh, production reflected that, uh, and I think that was an effective choice. There were a bunch of really specific contemporary visual references. The big one that comes to mind is Shakespeare having this. Rock concert in the park, and all of a sudden, everyone starts lifting candles as if they were lighters at a concert. It's like you know, it's you, you sort, you're sort of like, they, yeah, that we, we get, a, you go for that joke, but it's still, you still chuckle at it. I guess that's pretty much how I felt about the production of it itself. It was a lot of, huh look at that kind of humor. Mhm. And I do think that the. The performances for the most part were directed well. It was sort of hard to tell where I guess direction began and really specific personal choices stopped. Something like John Carriani's speech is an example of one of those things where I'm really unclear as to like how far gone that was or um, but also where that the came whole from. John
0: Kerryoni thing. If you're if that was not specifically the performance that he was intended to give he was very bored and i don't know why he's there
1: but on that note i think the other performance i think most of the other performances in the show were really excellently directed i think like like uh, you know Brad Oscar Rob McClure uh Heidi Blickenstaff even Christian Borle are really 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 fantastic with their Deliveries and their sort of characterizations and the the way they they were they interact in the story that was like the most fun for me watching the performances I suppose
0: of all of the people on stage Christian um seemed bored seemed over it seemed bored you think so maybe that was the characterization itself but he seemed to just walk through the show for me.
1: I agree. I don't think that uh, I don't think I got bored from that. I don't know if, if I'm if I, there was I a lot keep that reading bored too me. much into oh, I fair.
0: I have a note about the production. Um, uh-huh. the costume designer And by the way, at this point, I should say all of the people that worked on the production, Casey Nicola, Greg Barnes, I've loved, absolutely loved some of their past work. I hated this show. Everyone has a show they're going to do that you're not going to like. So I just want to put it out there. I am not saying that these are defective artists. Even the writers. I thought they had talent, which also annoyed me even more because they had talent to do better. The costumes. Each of the men has a massive codpiece on their pants. It creates a very ugly line, and I spend the entire show looking at how ridiculous those codpieces are than looking anywhere else. It was overdone to the point where it was distracting.
1: I hadn't uh, personally noticed the cod pieces, but oh, uh, yeah, thank you for bringing Christian, it to my attention.
0: Christian Bru turned to his side at one point, and um, John Cariani was just standing next to him, and the fucking cod piece was like hitting John Cariani in the arm. It was farther <laughs> out than Christian Bru's body. <laughs> extremely overdone and that was all i could find myself looking at because it looked out of place it looked ridiculous it made the lines on all of the pants extremely ugly and cod pieces are period but not when they're that overdone
1: Hmm. that seemed to be a problem with the show generally yeah
0: Overdone? Yeah. Yeah. Overdone to the point where it's not funny. Hmm. And that there weren't punchlines to begin with. And so the few punchlines that were left, because they were so overdone, it just wasn't funny. The other comment I have on the production is that what they lacked in punchlines, they made up for in being loud.
1: Being loud?
0: Uh-huh. Visually? This felt like, it n- n- no, uh, the performances. It just felt like they were all directed to, this is a punchline, um, but there is no actual punchline there. This is supposed to be a punchline, so um, just get louder and maybe the audience will laugh. They were screaming at each other the entire show, which is not interesting to watch.
1: I'm trying to think back on that. I'll agree with loud. I was going. I was going to. I was actually going to interject by saying, "Sure," but I didn't think they were screaming at each other.
0: But even if they weren't outright screaming, um, the intensity that was brought gave the impression is of a good screaming the over intensity and in trying to make something happen that just wasn't in the writing was exhausting and seemed like a definite directorial choice which might have been the right directorial choice but bring in other writers to fix the fucking show bring in a show doctor to fix your script bring in a show doctor to fix your score at that point
1: fair enough i'll concede that that that, that's something like, like like if if you if you're in the room and you do sense that something like that is lacking, rather than, like, trying to mask it or compensate it, some repairs would come in handy. But, um...
0: it, it felt like they were masking. And at that point, yeah, you should first go back to the original writers of the show to get them to fix it. If that has gone on for a while and they continue to not fix, bring in show doctors. And we should explain for the audience, a show doctor is when... The show isn't working, so you hire Neil Simon to come in and write about 15 good punchlines that you then put in the show. And Neil Simon is not credited as the author, but he did come to fix the sixth show.
1: Anyway, anything else do you have in mind about the production?
0: That's all I have to say about the production. I mean, it was adequately put together. There was nothing that particularly stood out one way or the other except for those cod pieces it was well put together, but it wasn't... There was nothing in the writing that was worth putting together.
1: <laughs> Word. Okay. Uh, what is next?
0: Uh, we started to get into the performances.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, are we already there? Fun.
0: Yeah, we oh. covered a couple.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. First of all, one thing I want to point out. The original Broadway cast... Which is like uh most of the people we saw in this give or take a few, it's pretty stacked. Like um, in this uh, in this specific performance we have uh, R- Rob McClure, we have John Cariani uh Carian- Car- Cariani sorry, John Cariani uh Chris- Christian Bowl, I caved and did your thing, uh, Christian Heidi Br- Blickenstaff,
0: Br-
1: Heidi Blickenstaff, and Brad Oscar all these people are huge huge. Stage actors. Do you want to start with the top and work down to the bottom?
0: Was that a pun because their names are bottom? Sure. sure. Why not? Let's uh, <laughs> let's go. Uh,
1: let's start with uh, Rob McClure as Nick Bottom. Uh, what did you think of his performance?
0: He's a very talented actor. He worked very hard here. And you could definitely feel that God was he working hard.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He was... Uh, I... Which doesn't uh, put you at ease things...
0: as a, as an audience member.
1: There are specific, definitely times in which I'll uh, watch a performance that is clearly trying its uh, absolute hardest to to a sort of annoying extent. And with this, I think when the result is as fluent as it is, you can uh, you y- you come to appreciate it. I thought he was probably the the best performer in of this night's recording. Um, he had like the most consistent energy. He had the most consistent
0: characterization, and was just sort of the funniest to me. Uh, I would argue that person was Heidi Blickenstaff, but she wasn't given enough material, and she wasn't given enough yeah. good material to make an impression.
1: Yeah, they didn't... They to didn't that extent. Give, uh, she made an impression.
0: She didn't make an impression to that same extent.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what I was going to say, yeah. Anything else do you want to say about him? I, I, I saw Rob in... um. I saw Rob in Beetlejuice when I went down to Broadway to... Uh, I've seen like five or six shows on Broadway ever. I went once in my life and then just went to every show I could take in. I saw... I really just saw the best of Broadway. Uh... You know, um, be more chill. <laughs> uh, Beetlejuice, burn this. Just all the B shows that were on Broadway that week. Uh, I went in, I went to see. If only
0: Beauty and the Beast was running. anyway.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, that show exists. Anyway, um, <laughs> no, but I saw. I I I. That's like one of the only. Like, real Broadway performers that I've had the chance of, like, seeing perform on stage and, like, getting his energy in the room. And I actually liked him more in Something Rotten than I did in Beetlejuice. I thought he was good. He was fine in Beetlejuice. And I thought he was fantastic in Something Rotten.
0: I saw him on tour in Something Rotten. Um, right. I, and... think that, I think it was the,
1: the closing cast of the Broadway productions, give or take maybe a few that went on to to do the tour. And-
0: I think I saw him on tour in Avenue Q. Um, I like him. He just, at this performance, he's trying very hard. I don't remember him trying that hard on tour. It was just, it felt taxing to watch here.
1: But that also, that's, that's again leading into that thing of like, at that point, he would have been doing the show for a while. He sort of You sort of settle into it. You sort of go through the motions.
0: Yeah, that is true.
1: And that... I think is something that actually may be true for uh, most of the people in this cast
0: who have like previously but been in the show. I only buy that to a certain extent because, again... Somebody spent $150 or more, likely more, for a ticket for this specific performance. So you cannot give them something defective. Theater tickets are not cheap. They have fastly outpaced the rate of inflation. Give me something. Everyone has an off day at work, but I'm sorry for the amount of money people are spending. Your off day still has to be pretty goddamn good. True.
1: That that is something that I should probably and keep I, in sorry
0: mind discussing this. I I should add 150 American dollars. <laughs> Cuz that's much cheaper in Canadian. <laughs> Yeah, it actually is.
1: Like, uh. <laughs> like, you're like
0: $150 a- that's cheap. No, 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 150 American.
1: $150, I'm like, yeah, that's probably like the, the average. That's probably the average of all the prices that you can get. Uh. Okay, so next up, let's talk about, uh, John Cariani.
0: Yeah. Uh, um,
1: we've touched on him a lot already, but, uh, I anything think. else you sort of want to add?
0: i think that um after he stopped doing this voice he was okay you know i saw him in fiddler on the roof um years ago and i really enjoyed him and i saw him in band's visit i really enjoyed him i don't know what was happening for the first hour of something rotten but yikes
1: yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit, it's going a bit heavy on that specific
0: characterization. To the point where I'm not understanding what you're saying, I'm disengaging with you, yeah. I'm disengaging with the character, you're not going to get me back.
1: Yeah, that, that was a, that was one of the things I was lucky to have the libretto for. I think watching that in person I would have been really disoriented. Um, I'm interested to see what, uh, Josh Crusetti did with this role.
0: I don't remember him.
1: I don't remember him
0: at all. I saw him. I didn't see Adam Pascal. He was out. It was his understudy. Which they didn't announce, and then the guy that walked on stage was very clearly not Adam Pascal and did not sound at all like Adam Pascal. So everyone was just. Because Adam Pascal sounds like like, Adam Pascal. Yeah, yeah. And the understudy went on and it wasn't announced at all. So you just saw people flipping through their playbills, like holding it up to the stage, trying to see is that him? (laughs) What's going on here? (laughs) Oh, goodness.
1: And speaking of. Shakespeare. Uh, Christian Borl. Say it. Christian Borl. No, no.
0: Christian Borl.
1: Christian Borl. Let's not subject the audience to any more of this. What'd you think?
0: Well, I told you what I thought about Christian Borl. I thought Christian Brrr, um was tired.
1: I think maybe there were elements of that. I think maybe there were a few specific nuances or cadences that might have been dropped, but I don't, but I thought it was actually a pretty Uh, together
0: performance. I didn't get any inner life from him.
1: Inner life. That's an interesting thing. Elaborate on that for
0: the audience. A a spark in the eyes. A sense that you like being there on stage Hmm. just as a person. Um... I I almost said, you know, a sense that you want to do good, but that's not it. Um, But just a sense that you're enjoying yourself. Not the character, but the actor is enjoying being on stage and the actor wants to be on stage. And inner life... There's inner life for the character, which I also did not get from him. Inner life for the character means they exist. It. They don't just exist within the time of the play. They have a whole life that they go about and live. The character was somewhere in between the scenes. I didn't get an inner life from Christian as an actor, and I didn't get an inner life for Will Shakespeare as an actor. And I actually ended up looking because he won a Tony for this. So I was thinking, who the hell was he nominated against? Is this really the Tony-winning performance? And... It wasn't exactly a very contentious year in the Best Featured Actor in a Musical category.
1: I'm pulling that up right now. I, I I think I I can't remember if I... Was a- Andy Carl
0: on the 20th century, Brad Oscar in Something Rotten. I would have given it to Brad Oscar over Christian, but that's me. Um, and then Max von Essen in american in paris and brandon Uranowitz in american in paris i loved american in paris i probably would have gone with one of those two
1: yeah man maybe not the most stacked year oh well that was the that was the fun home year
0: yes Mm -hmm. um yeah get this year this was a fantastic year you had fun home and the visit which i think are two masterworks absolute masterpieces And then you have American in Paris, which I really loved. And then there was this. Something Rotten. I think that caps it off brilliantly. I think you get, like, a really
1: wide uh, range of stuff in that season. Um, Heidi Blickenstaff, what'd you think? Uh,
0: You know, I feel so sorry for her. Uh, because she gets so underutilized in just about every show she's ever been in. She was in the workshop. Are you telling of, me? She, Are you telling she, me that Heidi Blickenstaff was underused in Freaky Friday, the musical? Well, she. I didn't see Freaky Friday. I can't attest to that. But, you know, Heidi I'd Blickenstaff was in uh, the Book of Mormon while well, that was in workshops. The entire part got cut. Uh, what? What?
1: Yeah, she was
0: in Workshops of Book of Mormon. The entire part was cut. Um, You know, she's here. They give her one song. There's not much to do. She's an interesting performer. Uh, She has a fantastic voice. Give her something to do. (laughs) Oh. She deserves more.
1: Oh, goodness gracious.
0: And even, uh, you know, her song in this was... What was it called? Um...
1: Oh, oh, oh Right Hand Man.
0: Right Hand Man. You know, she was in Meet John Doe Off-Broadway in 2011, and she sang I'm Your Man. It's the same fucking song, only this time it got worse. <laughs> <laughs> write different songs for her give her more to do don't just say oh something something man let's call heidi blickenstaff and, and we'll just have her sing that one song and do nothing else what an interesting hole to be put in as a performer like what a really specific niche pit to fall down she replaced Car carol Carmelo and the adams family they were both underutilized, that part had nothing to do, it's just oh, it makes me sad so overall did the best she could've? I thought she gave the best performance in the show, she just had nothing to do
1: hmm fair enough yeah, she was good um Brad Oscar as Nostradamus
0: I liked him he was well, That's given... Thomas
1: Nostradamus. I should make the distinction.
0: Oh, is that the full name? <laughs>
1: Thomas Nostradamus, he promised. Uh,
0: <laughs> so, ooh, 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 um, <laughs> I like Brad Oscar. He's another I person like who Oscar is too. underutilized in the business. And in this show, he was given a decent amount of the material that I absolutely loathed he delivered it well and that didn't make me loathe the material any less I thought that was yeah. a solid performance from him
1: yeah he was okay
0: okay is there anything else is there anyone else we need to cover Um,
1: that's all I really have anything particular to say about
0: okay all right So, let's talk about the video itself. What a nice video this was.
1: A really great capture. There are, I guess I'll start with like a, you know, shortcomings. There are duckouts at the end of most numbers and then it takes a while to recover, get back into those. I guess compression made it very low quality-ish.
0: Oh, I didn't. I actually downloaded and watched. Um, oh, yeah. There was a great amount of detail. You could really make out the um, set painting they did on the floor of the stage.
1: Oh, yeah. Really?
0: Mm-hmm. And the fact that I am pointing out the set the painting f- for the floor of the stage shows you exactly how interested I was in the show. You were sitting on that one for a little while. I can feel it. <laughs> No, no, actually, I just came up with that as I said it. That is not in my notes at all, but I did notice. Oh, wow, that um, is more significant, actually. There's some <laughs> There's some really interesting floor painting on the set, because they did a little bit of cobblestone, but only a little bit in one section, and then there was just some aged wood kind of effect. Not wood, but... Um, Okay, Jesus Christ. (laughs) 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 Holy shit, dude. (laughs) Again, this is underlining exactly how interesting I found this show. Holy hell, yeah. No, God, you were gone. All right, cool. Good to know. No, Um, because because the brick, the painting to make okay, 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 was only far downstage right. (laughs) All right, cool, good, great, happy to know.
1: (laughs) Oh my god!
0: You did this to me.
1: (laughs) Whatever. Whatever. Whatever.
0: (laughs) Oh, my jaw is starting to hurt from laughing. The video! The video! Did you like the video? Well, I was saying that the video had enough detail that you could make out that painting that was on the floor of the set. And, you know, I I didn't feel like I missed anything. I don't think there could possibly be anything there in the show to miss, um, because they're going to hit you over the head a million times with it, but that's beside the point. Um... (laughs) That's bitchy. That's real bitchy. <laughs> it, it was a good video. Uh, uh-huh. g- captured the show well. Didn't do extreme close-ups to the point where you missed anything. Great detail. There wasn't really any spotlight washout. And True. the audio was solid. Yeah. A
1: really... Almost like a perfect video, I'd say for this one. Close. Like just, it, very close. It's, yeah, a, a couple. Uh, aside from those uh, occasional dropouts and maybe a bit getting a close up when you should have had a wide, in maybe like two or three instances. Otherwise, you're missing pretty much nothing from this. Like you're, not, you're getting.
0: The, they captured the dancing very well.
1: Yeah. I think this uh I think this might have been uh, shot by Jerome Robbins. Which is also why there was so much downtime between numbers. hey Um That was a good joke on my part. Joshua
0: <laughs> just watched West Side Story for the first time if you're following along at home. That is why he is making Jerry Robbins jokes. Boy, boy, crazy boy. Be cool boy. Mm-hmm. I like that. Easy does it. And they make a West Side Story reference in the show itself here. I'm certain they did. I'm certain they did. No, they did. I saw it. I caught it. I caught all the references. Ooh. Wasn't it hysterical, all those references to catch? Uh,
1: what were what, uh, what we on? Oh, yeah. Okay. Video.
0: Grade. Grade. A. I'll give it an A. I as well. I was gonna say A. Good. Uh show D.
1: B plus. Uh so that averages out to a a C plus? Yeah. That
0: averages out to a C plus. These were all talented people that worked on this show. Mm-hmm. I thought the writers had talent. I thought they were capable of so much more.
1: I'd like to see some other um, works from this uh, writing team.
0: Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, really? And that is what they did. We'll see what happens there, but that's what they're supposed to do next.
1: Okay, maybe I'm not so interested in seeing what that team can do. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And speaking of talented writers who might be able to do better, next week we are covering Anyone Can Whistle.
1: Mm, Wow, that is a big big statement to be making with that segue.
0: Well, it was not. The show was not successful. We'll watch it. We'll see.
1: What, Um, Anyone Can Whistle, one of the most beloved pieces of musical theater in the
0: world? You think of Stephen Sondheim, you think of Anyone Can Whistle? I'm sure. And, you know, it. week 10, we're finally getting to Sondheim. Um, we don't hate Sondheim. We should make it clear. No, We are I, a pro-Sondheim I, it is my podcast. Fault.
1: It, is, oh. it is completely my fault. I am interlocked in a battle with my brain in which I have been trying to get myself through a Sondheim marathon. I've been watching his works uh, chronologically. Um based on, like, sort of the order in which he wrote them. And as for how it's going, well, as he mentioned, I did just previously watch West Side Story. So, speeding along the path there. Um, Luckily, I have seen Gypsy and... I I, I have seen Gypsy before and am familiar with it. And I watched uh, A Funny Thing Happened before and I'm less familiar with it. But uh, at least those will be easy enough experiences for me so that i'm able to watch anyone can whistle in soon enough time
0: lovely you got three days <laughs> g- g- great 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 good according to the schedule we originally set <laughs> uh-huh,
1: uh-huh 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 i'm on a we're currently shooting this in uh, oh wow fourth wall break we're shooting this in december of 2020 one of the most fantastic times to be alive um And uh, I have time off from school, so we're just cramming a whole bunch of them in while we can. So that's what uh, that's why that's why we're scheduling these all so close together. This is our this is our third call in
0: four days, I think. Um, really? One of those was today. One of those we were recording a trailer. So does that really count? That was a two-hour call. It was a long call, but it wasn't an episode. We didn't have... There weren't any requirements before you got on that call.
1: (laughs) No, but it's still another two hours of us taking in each
0: other's voices, which, you know, I apologize. I'm sure you're just thrilled to hear me, bitch.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm wondering if there was a comma or not in front of me. Uh, After me, i should say.
0: (laughs) Good. Solid there.
1: (laughs) Thank you all for uh, listening. We'll see you next week with the Encores production. We should mention that. The Encores Uh, production of Anyone uh, Can Whistle.
0: No, we had originally planned We had planned to do our first compare-contrast Oh! With Encores and Ravinia.
1: Oh, I'm watching two fucking videos for this!
0: (laughs) We can... We can move it a little bit if you need to.
1: <laughs> we'll
0: talk about this. <laughs> next week, everybody. We see you next week. Anyone with, can whistle. Uh, the Ravinia and Encore's productions. Fuck me. See you guys. Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Unauthorized Critic Circle. Join us next week for our two-part episode of Anyone Can Whistle, discussing the Encores and Ravinia Festival productions. If you enjoyed the episode, rate us, review us, and subscribe to us on your platform of choice.
1: And if you have any recommendations, questions, or virtual flowers to send our way, email us at unccpodcast at gmail.com.
0: The Unauthorized Critic Circle podcast is unauthorized. The podcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Something wrong. And all names, pictures, and audio clips are registered trademarks and or copyright of the respective trademark and copyright holders. The Unauthorized Critic Circle cannot help the listener locate or distribute recordings discussed herein.